Hi, I'm Mallory Kasdan. Normally in this feed, you get mom and dad are fighting, which brings you stories about parenting troubles and triumphs. But today, we're giving you a little something different, a brand new show about navigating the highs and lows of back-to-school season. It's a podcast I host called Coffee and Crayons, produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Target. The new school year is right around the corner, and as a mom, I often forget the social and emotional impact this time of year has on kids. It's a time for parents to give children the support they need to thrive throughout the school year. And parents need help during back-to-school season, too. That's what this podcast is, a series of conversations to help families thrive during tricky transitions. In each episode, I talk with fellow parents about inclusion, creativity, and compassion, and they offer strategies for the school year ahead. On this episode, I chat with Amy Webb of the parenting blog, This Little Miggy Stayed Home. One of Amy's daughters was born with special physical needs, and she maps out ways to teach children about being kind and accepting toward differently abled peers. If you like what you hear today, check out Coffee and Crayons wherever you get podcasts, and make sure to subscribe, rate, and review so others can find the show too. This paid podcast is produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Target. So what are you looking forward to about the kids going back to school? I'm going to be a little sad. I know that because I'm losing my baby. But at the same time, I'm excited for him to take this new step. You know, he's, he's growing. Um, like he's really into the idea that they're going to like learn how to code simple computer programs. And the fact that he's going to be able to do that is something that he's really excited for. And he's also of that age where he realizes that with every year he can do more and more cool things. And what are you looking forward to about being in third grade? The state test, although it's harder than it looks. I'm looking forward to it and I'm afraid of it at the same time. Anything about going into fifth grade that makes you nervous? Definitely. I mean, like, math is a big one. We have to memorize our times tables. Not that good. And also, the, um, my teacher says that there are a lot of, like, because it's the last year, there are a lot of, like, big, hard projects. So I'm kind of like, how is this going to go? I have no idea. This is weird and scary, kind of. From Slate Studios and Target, this is Coffee and Crayons, a back-to-school podcast all about navigating the highs and lows of this transitional time of year. I'm Mallory Kasdan, a podcaster, voiceover actor, and children's book author. I'm also a mom. About two years ago, I started my own podcast, Milk, Moms I'd Like to Know. I wanted to connect in a real way with other mothers and literally ask them how they do what they do, logistically, emotionally, physically, and honestly. I'm really curious about how people overcome challenges and live in our complex world with their families, and doing it with the most joy and compassion for each other. I think we all need to hear we are doing okay, and that being a parent is hard, funny, scary, and incredibly rich. And that's what this podcast is, a toolbox for helping parents and kids thrive during transitions, like back to school time. When we get bogged down in logistics and school supply lists, we often forget the huge social and emotional part of preparing our kids for back-to-school time. And even after doing this for eight years, it really helps to lean on fellow parents this time of year. 
Which brings me to today's guest, Amy Webb, creator of This Little Miggy Stayed Home. In a sea of parenting blogs, her writing and photography really stand out. She has a surprising take on family life with three girls under 12. But what makes the site distinctive is that Amy's middle daughter, whom she calls Lamp on the blog, has very special physical needs. I'm delighted Amy Webb is here with me today. Amy, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to be here. How do you introduce yourself on the playground? How do you introduce yourself to someone you're sitting next to on a bus or plane? Oh, gosh. I would just say, hi, I'm Amy. I, uh, you know, if someone asks me what I do, I say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm mostly a stay-at-home mom, but I also uh, blog and write on the side. I'm an artist by training, which I still keep my foot in that world a little bit. Um, pretty much anything creative to help keep me sane <laughs> during these mothering years. From the blog, I can tell that your kids are super clever and effervescent. I'd love to hear you describe your kids. Oh, thank you. You know, those are excellent words to describe them. They are super clever and they are effervescent. Um, they have, you know, so I have three girls, and I think there is a really special bond not often, not always, but, you know, when you have close in age siblings who are the same gender, they have their own language. They have their own world that they often occupy together. And it's really, it's really sweet to watch. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. They still fight. You know, they're still siblings. But I, when I think about that, I, I have to attribute a lot of that to my oldest daughter, who on the blog, I often refer to her as PSP. Um, Can you tell me why you call her PSP? So that, I, I sort of hate this name. That stood for Princess Sparkle Pants. <laughs> you know, these, these are my aliases that, in hindsight, I would love to change, but it's, everyone knows them now. It's too far down the road. But she, when Lamp was little, when she was like two or three, and our oldest daughter, she's three and a half years older than her, and never once did she say, oh, she can't play because she can't do this or she can't do that. She never looked at her disabilities or what she couldn't do as any sort of roadblock. And and so she would just come up with these creative games that I don't even think in her mind she was accommodating. I think she was just, yeah, it's my sister. This is how I play with her. So they've always had this imaginative element to their play. And I think I owe a lot of that to my oldest daughter who, you know, we certainly didn't talk to her about it or try to train her in any way. This is just who she was. And Lamp, if I had, you know, when I think about her and sort of her personality, what a light she has always been to people. I, I can't help but remember um, she was such an early talker. She was speaking in complete sentences when she was 15 months old. And, wow. and she was super petite, too, because she's, you know, she's very small, even now for her size. And so um, even as she was two or three and people often thought she was a baby. And so you know, she could speak very well, but some of her first words, and maybe not her very first, but like two to three first words, and it was two words together were thank you. And she just had this, she has just always been this very grateful, very patient, you know, r like ray of sunshine and joy. And then Zuzu, she's my youngest. She is a conundrum to me. <laughs> she is the sweet. She was the sweetest baby in the world. She is, can be the biggest, biggest sweetheart. So I often think of her as just like this delightful little monster. She's the most shy, but she is also the most stubborn, I think, and she can really hold her ground, which I'm proud of, which I think is going to be a good thing later, of course. But 
Um, but I'm still sort of discovering who she is, I feel like. So for listeners who might not know um, your site, could you share some of the details of Lamp's physicality and her physical challenges? Yeah, sure. So she is born with the umbrella term, as we say, she has limb differences, um, which means that her limbs are different. A person with limb differences can have one limb affected, even just someone who has maybe born with missing digits. They can be, you know, on a finger or, or toes, they can be referred to as having limb differences. So it can really vary in how, you know, how severe, how affected a person is. Lamp has, she's affected on all four limbs. So her left arm stops above her elbow. Her right arm is a little bit longer. It goes about to where a person's elbow would go, and then, but she doesn't have an elbow, and that's where her hand uh, comes, and her hand is different than a typical hand. She has three fingers fused together. And then her legs are both, again, both affected, so she has very, very short femurs. Um, her knees are very close to where her hips are. And then she has a her left leg from... Her knee down is is her most typical limb, and then her right leg she's missing the the fibula I believe, and that's much shorter. So she also has a leg length discrepancy. So there's a pretty big difference. And so her feet are different sizes. She has four toes on her her left leg for a total of nine toes. And um, but we have met people kind of with similar limbs than her lower limbs, and and people can walk. The doctors have always told us they they believe she'll walk. And she can walk with, um, she has a brace that she uses, and she can walk short distances. But for the most part, um, she uses a power chair, a power wheelchair that she drives. She's been driving since, I think, about 16 months old in therapy. And then we brought it home when she was about two and a half. But she also has a beautiful little rosebud lips. She has big uh, hazel-colored eyes and curly hair, which has gotten less curly over the years, which is a little bit sad, but brown curly hair. So she's she's a beautiful little girl. So you have a particular back-to-school post about visiting Lamp's school and explaining her differences. And there's so much amazing information and extraordinary storytelling in it. What prompted the talk? And what, what do you say? Well, what prompted the talk was five years of being her mom <laughs> <laughs> and being out in public with her you know, d- her daily life with her um, when we go new places out in public uh, can be intrusive at times. And it, it was really written with that sort of initial, uh, you know, just, just when you're out and about and you come across a kid who has special needs like my daughter, um, parents just didn't know what to do. And, <clears throat> of course, children are curious. And so they have all sorts of questions. They have all sorts of, you know, they wonder. um, And, you know, but there were so many situations that we'd been in over the years that were really difficult. And the thing is, with kids is once you demystify it, once you answer their questions, and you just let them know, they're like, oh, okay. All right. You know, they really get over it quickly. Right. You have to address what's going on. And even for the parents, I think, they probably need the guidance. Like when I read your post, I felt I'm not uncomfortable generally with with any difference, but I know people are. So I think addressing the discomfort and giving people concrete ways to work with it is really useful. So I have these four points here. Can you take me through a little bit of how you approach? Yeah. And, and let me just say to, to what you said about, you know, 
a lot of parents aren't uncomfortable, per se, with disability. But when their kid says, Mom, why does she look weird? Or, Mom, what happened to her arm? That's when you see often horror come over a parent's face of like, right. oh, my gosh, my kid just said this. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I always try to help parents understand, too, is is it it is hard when your kid says something that you – you know that that brings attention to it, and um, and so the so the four steps going kind of jumping right into that. The first one is to stay, to to not shush your child and walk away because that's that's what we want to do in that moment. I've wanted to do that. You got, but you got to stay and have the conversation. You know, get down on your level with your kid and and intercede right then and say, oh, you know what. I mean, you know, she was probably born this way or and ask the mom, you know, if the mom or caregiver is right there, um, say, I, I don't know, you know, let's ask her or, you know, if it's something obvious that, you know, like, oh, she has Down syndrome. She oh, she was just born that way. And, and she's just different. And this and you give some examples, you know, of how people are born different uh, glasses or hair color, skin color. It's particularly important that parents are part of this conversation because maybe you have someone in your family who uses a walker or a wheelchair, has some, you know, a, a disability that I don't know about. So I've had this conversation with kids a lot of times, but man, it really makes a big difference when that child's parent comes in and, and participates in that conversation with the kid. Because they can they can use language that that they might know, you know, that I don't, that will help their kid understand, you know, because I say, oh, this is how she was born, or God made her this way. I don't know what, what's going to be meaningful to your child. And I will say there's a lot of younger kids that still just doesn't <laughs> register with them. They're like, well, but why? And you're like, oh, she was just born this way, but why? And so, you know, so you need to, you know, just stay and have the conversation is the first point. The second uh, part of the step is is kindness. So, you know, talk, and but at the same time, you've got to reinforce kindness. Um, so if your child says something like, why does she look weird?, I, I often teach kids or say, you know, weird is a rude word, and rude words can hurt people's feelings. She's not weird, but she is different. And just really emphasizing that kindness because, you know, children, it can uh, their curiosity can quickly turn to cruelty if we if we don't help them understand. The third point is to find common ground. You know, once you've said, hey, this is how she was born, and and you know she's different, she's not weird or strange. Then I say something like, you know, who here likes ice cream? And they raise their hand. I say, guess what? She likes ice cream too. Wait, do you guys, do you guys like watching cartoons? What? So does she. Or what, you know, what do you like to play with? Do you play with toys? Oh, Lamp plays with toys too. And honestly, it's, it's just that it's doing what all of us want to do is, is, I, I don't expect people not to notice her differences, but to, to quickly move on to her, her humanity and the things we have in common as, as quickly as possible. And then the fourth step, and this is much easier if you know the child like I do, you know, is to kind of point out that sometimes kids are differently abled. So I always say at the end, I'll say, you know, so there's some things that, that Lamp can't do. She can't run and she doesn't usually walk by herself, but look, she drives a chair or I say, and guess what else? She can do something I know I know you guys can't do. And they're like, you know, they don't believe it for a second. I say, she writes with her feet. And time after time, I mean, that just blows minds, <laughs> you know. And just so so just trying to help them see that she uses her body differently, that she does have abilities that they don't have, and, and that she's a lot like them. And that's my, you know, 
very overarching four-step plan. It's like gifts instead of uh, deficits, right? Just emphasizing, you know, that we all have gifts. And yes, and and the, the point is, too, is to build a bridge of friendship rather than a wall of isolation. Because as soon as you shush your child and walk them away, it really reinforces that other mentality. Whether you mean to or not, because again, I know that it feels like the kind thing to do because you're you're having a hard time with something your kid said and you're really embarrassed. But what it does is say we don't, you know, they're other. We don't we don't play with them. We don't interact with them. Um, and so it's just it's just about building that bridge of friendship and helping kids see, you know, this, oh, they have this in common. And then it is often like turning on a light switch. It's the difference in how kids react. And, and treat her. What's the reaction like in school when you have this kind of, when you break it down for everybody? Really positive. I don't think we, we haven't had a bad experience. That's great. And so that post, what kind of response do you get from readers or have you gotten when you repost it every year around school time to remind people? <clears throat> yeah, always a super positive response as well. Um, you know, again, parents want to know what to do. I mean, this, you know, this day and age, we are all much more sensitive and much more aware and caring. You know, people, they want to know what to do. No one, no one wants to do the wrong thing in this situation. And people want to build, um, have empathetic kids and have kids who are inclusive and kind. So always it's a huge positive response. It gets shared a lot on Facebook. Um, you know, I, I know you said you saw it on a, a blog you read. It, it gets passed around a lot because I think it's, it's just, um, one of the things to me that makes it important as a topic is um, you can talk to your kids about being kind and including everyone, but I really think that when it comes to their special needs peers, it's not enough. Because when you see a kid like Lamp who has, you know, missing limbs and a wheelchair or maybe a kid who, you know, makes noises in class or, or can't control their body movements or is disruptive, when kids see that, they have questions, they have concerns. Sometimes they have fears. And so all that kindness and be kind, and, you know, it goes out the window when they don't know what's going on and they're like, and they've never seen that before. And so it's really important to talk not just about being kind, but specifically talk about disability. And I, and I know that a lot of people have told me they, they sit down and they show their kids pictures of my daughter and they, they talk about it or they go through the interviews that I've done with other people and they show their kids those pictures so these kids are familiar. And, and so when they see it in real life, if they see someone like that in real life, it's not the first time and it's not a shock to them. Um, so you've been blogging for several years now. Yeah, I've been blogging for about 12 years, but in the way that a lot of people blog in the beginning just as like a, a journal for families and friends to see what we were up to. And it's really evolved over the years. So what's something that you that that happens outside of the frame that you want to share, but you, you, you can't or you haven't? Like, do you feel like you I mean, obviously, you've kept your kids names anonymous. So you must feel at some way in some way that you want to keep your life in some way your life. But you're also sharing your life, which helps other people be more right. um, kind of deliberate about how they live their lives. So I wonder if there's anything in there that's confusing for you or conflicting as everything has grown with social media so much in the in the 12 years since you've since you yeah. started yeah so you know people often say like oh you're such a good mom you're such a good mom or uh you know you're so intentional and um or you know whatever i i get a lot of the praise for for my mothering and i think there is that 
I, part of, I don't know if it's something I've necessarily wanted to share. I've, I've been open to a certain amount of like, I'm, I'm not a perfect mom, you guys. And I, and I try to talk about that. I've talked about yelling and, and, you know, how I've dealt with that and, and my own shortcomings in that. Um, because sometimes I, I don't feel deserving of a lot of the praise that people give me because I'm like, gosh, are they only need like, I'm really just a regular struggling through it everyday mom. I've had periods of time where it's been really, really difficult for me. And, um, and in large part, w- one thing I, I would say I haven't talked about at all is because I don't have a great relationship with my own mom. And I was terrified to become a mother of daughters. Yeah, I used to think I wanted all boys um, because I thought it would be easier and I didn't want to repeat a similar pattern of a relationship. Um, but sometimes I guess I wish I could talk a little bit more openly about that, about my struggles with my own mother, how it informs my mothering and how, you know, I, I, um, even because I'm, I mean, I know I'm a good mom. I'm not saying that I'm a bad mom. I mean, I'm a good mom. I'm try, I do those things, but sometimes the praise feels like, oh gosh, you guys, I'm still just, you know, trust me, I'm, I'm just as fallible. And, and, and I will say in general, I think that special needs moms do get held up on that platform a little bit more yeah, of, of being sort of doing, you know, oh, I couldn't do that, that kind of thing. So it sounds like you have quite a lot going on with your, with your, with your blog and your business and your kids. So do you ask for help? Do you have oh, help? Yes. Like, from oh, your- yes. Um, yeah. Th- so, you know, a couple of years ago is when I started having someone come watch the kids or sending my girls to be watched somewhere two days a week. And then just this past year, I twisted my husband's arm finally into getting a housekeeper uh, someone who come and cleans every two weeks, and that has been life changing. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and, and I really mean that. I think I almost cried when she left the first day because I didn't realize how much of a failure I felt every day with feeling like nothing was getting done. Do you know what I mean? Around the house, feeling like there was always something undone, and to have someone come all in and do that in one fell swoop, you know, I, it was amazing. So. I do get help in that way. So um, we're going to just go back to talking a little bit more about your kids and sort of what they're specifically drawn to. What are they drawn to and how do you encourage that? How do you kind of find what they're into and, and bring it bring it to the place that they can explore it? Just last week, we, we stopped. You know, it's just one of these things where I had this huge list a million miles long. And I just was like, girls, we're going to make sticker books because that was something from the 80s, this nostalgic kind of thing I've been having of like the sticker books that were lined in plastic that you could actually like peel stickers off and on and trade them and and I couldn't find them so I was like we're gonna make our own sticker books and they were like yay so we spent like two days you know everyone painting their own pages or collaging and doing all these things and we went and laminated them and we got them bound so um they love projects like that uh my oldest daughter she's a huge Potterhead and Harry Potter fan you know she lives and breathes and eats Harry Potter so um, so, for example, one thing she did one day with her sisters is they set out making these little puppet shows where they they colored and they created all these different characters, and then they cut them out and they put them on straws and they like got under the table and like lifted these characters up and you know kind of like on the table with their straws and and they still have this bag of like thirty different characters that they created, um, and like even you know they have a ghost that will be like like dangling from the straw on a cord so it looks like it's kind of flying in and I, I mean it's so creative and and so yeah they are <laughs> they, 
They love doing stuff like that. They get really interested in their worlds. And then the other thing, and this is kind of where, like, you know, I mean, I don't sit down and do every little craft project with them. I'm usually like, hey, go. There's a, you know, <laughs> the thing is, like, my, my mom's secret is, not to do everything with it. I don't know. Like I kind of like, hey, I'm busy. Go do this. You know, so I, I, I send them off a lot. I let them be bored. I'm not, I'm not their, you know, cruise director, entertainment person. I don't view that as my job. So they do a great job of coming up with all those, with a lot of those things themselves. Yeah. You have to encourage them to play on their own, find their passions, and then, you know, give them the stuff and yeah, give them the space. Absolutely. Yeah. Good for you. I, I think that's great. Yeah. So, like, what are you guys going to do today? What's what's happening around the homestead? Oh, today is a very exciting day, actually. Very exciting day. Um, Lamp gets her new power chair today. Nice. And this is a very big deal. She usually gets a new power chair every five years, kind of according to insurance. That, that's what they'll allow. And the process can be really difficult and arduous, and it usually takes about a year. And so we were really prepared for that. And her chair already is six years old, and it's we've been having problems with it. So we were like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And somehow in like three and a half months, we got the approvals and insurance and everything, and we, we can't believe it. So she is just beside herself. Um, this new chair is going to give her like the ability to – the seat goes all the way to the floor. It's like on an arm, so it goes like all the way to the floor. Then it raises up really high, and she can recline. And it's just, yeah. So she last night before she went to bed, she's like, "Happy chair day tomorrow, mom," and I was like, "Happy chair day." So she's she's super excited. So right now they're at their babysitters, which they they love being there. And then we get to go get her new chair and get it get fitted for it and all those things. So it's a big exciting day for her. That's awesome. I'm so glad it took a short amount of time rather than a longer amount of time. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy. It was great to meet you. And uh, thanks again. Thank you so much, Mallory. I appreciate it. Amy Webb is the creator of This Little Miggy Stayed Home. You can read the blog and find out more about her and her family at thislittlemiggy.com. So do you have any of your own... Uh, memories from back to school time that you can share with us? Yes. Going and buying a traffic keeper. Like with a little puppy dog on the front and it was brand new and the Velcro was like perfect and not, you know, mucked up with like little pieces of dust or whatever. What's your favorite like school supply? What do you what do you get excited about? Well, my least favorite art supply is the colored pencils. It it kind of bothers me because my favorite art supply is the the markers. Um, I got like erasable pens, and I also like the miniature staplers. Um, I really like the miniature staplers too, but I love erasers. Erasers are like my favorite thing to buy in the store. I also like pencil cases. Oh yes, I love pencil cases. They're so nice. I also don't like crayons. I have them in my bag right now. That's it for today's show. Coffee and Crayons is brought to you by Target and produced by Slate Studios. Target has back-to-school covered. Shop our best back-to-school prices at Target all season long. Go to target.com slash back-to-school. I'm Mallory Kasdan. Thanks so much for listening.